Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. In the deep, dark forests of Romania lurked a man with an insatiable appetite for blood. Mm. Considered to be the inspiration for Bram Stoker's Dracula, some say this man is a hero, while others call him the son of the devil. Stay tuned to hear all about that on The Reluctant Historian. What's up, everyone? I'm Liz Lawson, and this is our reluctant historian, Dakota Lawson. This is the podcast where I try to show my husband that history is actually cool. So, if you love history, or you absolutely hate it, this podcast is for you. We would like to begin by recognizing that we are recording on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis Nation. We make this acknowledgement in recognition that we are settlers here on the land that belongs to the many different First Nations of Canada. So, Coda, what do you think today's topic is about? Well, I don't even feel like I can do a super goofy, like, oh, this is probably what it's about, because it appears to be about the dude who was the Dracula, <laughs> or whoever, or who Dracula is based on. So, obviously not a real vampire, because those probably don't exist. <laughs> uh, or at least that's what I tell myself to help me sleep at night. But some sort of dude that engaged in biting of the neck... He loved blood. Yeah, that's all I got. Okay. He loved it. He loved blood. He just uh was Yeah, so you've you've never heard of this person before then, I guess, based on No, I uh just assumed Dracula was a thing that was just created from the mind. Cool. Cool. So but everything's a remake these days. <laughs> it's true. So on today's episode, we will be talking about Vlad the Impaler. Oh, okay. This is didn't you want to do an episode of this guy for a while? I did, and so I saved him again for season two because I was like, ah, we're doing true crime, but then we're oh. not. And also, like, is he a criminal? Uh, like, well. war crimes? <laughs> like, where do those fit in? I don't know. <laughs> are you asking if war crimes are crimes? <laughs> well, and like in the 1500s, were they crimes? Who the fuck knows? I don't know. But, okay, so. well, uh, I'll be the judge of that. Okay, good. We'll find out. Good, good, yes. Um, so before we do our golden nuggets, I would like to introduce a new segment, which we are calling These Beats. So I don't know, listeners, if you remember, we had talked about if you leave us a review, Dakota will write you a poem. And so we had a review and Dakota is going to read his poem that he wrote. And we're titling this segment These Beats because beats have rhymes like rap. Yes. So these beats. These beats. Not to be confused with Zazie Beats, who is a actress. Ah, right. It is these beats. That's true. Also not to be confused with these nuts. <laughs> yep. So, this poem is called, My Best Friend John. <laughs> Let me tell you about a boy wonder who's living in the land down under, driving a delivery truck by day, listening to our podcast on the highway. Oh. He's a Kiwi who loves history. I don't know why. To me, it's a mystery. <laughs> you once told me that 
Those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. But I say, fuck it, I'm just going to continue to give the listeners lots of wit. That didn't flow as well as I had hoped it would. (laughs) That last line? (laughs) Yes. In my head, it flowed really nicely. (laughs) I thought that was an excellent poem. Who knew that you could rhyme like that? Well, thank you. It's not my best, but I I tried to uh, keep it more... Uh, appropriate PG-13, and yeah. a little more PG thirteen. I don't. I don't want to, um, you know, <laughs> rip on our listeners and stuff. But they're, they're like, oh, Dakota's going to write me a poem, and then I just like, you know, write like, something horrible. Write something would horrible. Do. Yes. Uh, but there you have it. Um, John, thank you for listening again. And and thanks for getting Instagram. Yes, uh, John got Instagram, and he follows us. So, like, thank you for that that follow. So what's your golden nugget? Well, I got a golden nugget and I got a lump of coal. Okay. My golden nugget yes. is that I learned to read, finally. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Apparently I'm Michael Jackson now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, should I keep kids away from you or should you be a teacher? Stop it. <laughs> Don't you say that, you bad person. I'm the bad person. He... You know what? Let's move on. Uh, I started reading a book while going to sleep, trying to trying to not be on the screen right before bed. Such uh, a good good plan. I'm so proud of you. Oh, thank you. So, well, I'm so proud of your little routine. Uh, thank, thank y'all. So, uh, I'm starting with reading this book about video game, the video game wars. Uh, you know, which was a real war, much akin to uh, well, you're familiar with World War Two, correct? I am. Yes. So it's it's similar. It's right. similar. Anyways, I won't go into that. Uh, it's called Console Wars. If you want to look it up. And uh, I'm going to read that, and then I'm going to read comic books. <laughs> Which is great. Like, yeah. I don't care what you're reading, just as long as you're reading something not on your screen. Yeah. So, um, Blue light is bad for you. True. And then I've also been uh, trying to go to bed at about 1030 mm-hmm. just to um, get into kind of a sl- sleeping better. You know. Sleep health is very important. Totally. So totally. it's been going well so far. I also got this, this mask that... Uh, uh, has earphones built into it so you can sleep on your side Mm -hmm. so yeah it's wonderful so far yeah you didn't hear jasper wake up last night i had to let him out i was listening to my asmr (laughs) just like just the whispers go to sleep dakota (laughs) some uh, msr yeah 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 Awesome I'm having number. a hard time uh, talking today, listeners. So. Yes, but I don't. I don't watch the ASMR. That's like where they their headphone is literally an ear. Then get negativity. Okay, well I the listen to some pluck stuff. Okay, but yeah, I don't. I don't listen to anything that's like their microphone is made out of an ear, not a real ear. <laughs> That'd fuck? be crazy. Have you seen this? This stuff? No. The ones I really like are where they're like putting makeup on you, and they'll like put the brush <laughs> up to the screen, yeah. and they're like. Oh, that I love that too. I'm like, please make me pretty. I don't I just want to like, be pretty. It's just like, it's like really soothing. And they're like, okay, now we'll put some mascara on. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I lovely. mean, there are ones that I've watched that is kind of like a, um, like a scenario sort of thing where they're like, uh, welcome, welcome to our hotel. I'm a vampire. <laughs> that's one I've watched before. Actually? <laughs> yeah. They're, huh. I'm like, huh, this feels, Sort of kinky. Mm. Um, I swear it was just on YouTube and not on another site. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, but there are the ones of ASMR where it's literally there's a, a like a an ear microphone. So the mm. microphone is inside this fake ear, and mm. they lick it. Ooh, why? What the fuck? Yeah, it's like sorry, listeners. Uh, I don't want to kink is shame you. Well, that's the thing is, there's this line of like, um, you know, ASMR <laughs> that, that is like completely not sexual. Uh, and then there's the stuff that gets weird, and I don't know if the ear stuff fits in mm. which side it fits right. on. My, I'm sure that for some it's definitely mm. kinky. For others, it's just like this is relaxing, right? So it's very relaxing. Have some yeah. lick my ears. Well, it's like I don't know if you ever get this, but like sometimes I watch massage videos. No, I've never watched a massage video. Okay, again, these are like legit massage videos. There is no like happy ending or anything. Okay. It's just a legit. I want to say that first. They are just kind of like getting a secondhand massage almost. Mm. It makes you feel relaxed right. and stuff like that. So maybe it's like <laughs> picturing yourself getting your ear licked and it's like not in a sexual way. It's just like, hmm, who feels nice. That? Clear, clearly lots of people. Okay. My love of coal. Thank you. Is that my heater stopped oh, working yeah. in my car. <laughs> and uh, you hate the cold. Yes, it is gets between like minus 15 and minus 30 during the sometimes these minus days. 50 sometimes minus 50 here it's uh uh ridiculous so i've had to drive my sister around today uh to get her engagement ring and fuck yeah me, and the minus it was 15 so cold yeah age. i was just like i wished i was dead the whole time <laughs> so but then we got to some taco bell and that was all right you didn't bring me in that's what her boyfriend said too. Her fiance said too. Right. So yeah, you two are bad boys for for getting your partner. You don't. You don't get me anything when you go out for lunch with your sister. Do you want me to? Yes. Okay. For the sake of this argument, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What's your golden nugget? So I've discovered a new game, and I beat it on <laughs> the PC, and I. It's called Boyfriend Dungeon, Ooh. and it's like a five-hour game. Uh, I've beat it. Um, the whole premise is that you are a loner and you come to Verona Beach. Or, yeah, you come to Verona Beach and your cousin is like trying to set you up on dates with boys. Well, and girls and non-binary and, um, you. And cats. And cats. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you don't date the cat. So, well, you could date them. You well, can't, you don't get to fuck the cat? Uh, mm, Something weird happens with the cat. <laughs> There's like that un, uh, like untalked about, like you know, where you're it's like both s- into each other, but you don't want to address it. I you know? Yeah, like I don't think it's sexual, but like it's a weird storyline. So mm-hmm. like I'm not, I'm trying not to. Because like, I'm, away- I'm gonna play it. Yeah. <laughs> you're so you beat it. Yeah. I'm either gonna beat it or beat to it. Stop it. <laughs> Yeah. So anyways, I forgot the most important part is that your boyfriends also turn into swords and you fight monsters in dungeons with them and they Welcome they, to Japan. <laughs> they tell you things like, Oh, it tickles when you hold my hilt and I'm like, What is happening? What is this game? And it was amazing and I had so much fun and yeah, it was like a quick five hour game. And like it wasn't too raunchy. It was I just I really yeah. enjoyed the story. Yeah, it, it I was mad though because there was this one guy who was mm-hmm. like a player and so I was like trying to play him, but just because of the storyline, it wouldn't let me play him. So he like he broke up with me and I was like, Oh cool, that's fine. But then all of this like conversation options were like, I'm so sad and I was yeah. like, I'm not actually sad. I was playing you, but I can't play it that way. So in my head yeah. 
Yeah, in your head you were playing him. That that's yeah. actually that wasn't the option for that, right? but you yeah. know, uh, especially when it feels like they gave you choice because they gave you options. They did, yeah. So that kind of sucks. But yeah. it looks like a cool game. Uh, this is uh, it, it's in the style of uh, uh, a dating sim mm. type game. If any of our listeners are familiar with that, it's very <laughs> Japanese, where you're just you're talking to a person and they're in like all you know a cartoon anime yeah. figure and then you have options of what to say to them to woo them yes right yeah um and you can turn them into your friend if you want like you don't have okay to... so there was one character that yeah. i made my friend because yeah. they were like a child they're not mm-hmm. an actual child they're 20 but uh they acted like a 14 year old kid and i was like i don't want to date you yeah but that's like anime <laughs> True. well no like all the other characters were quite adults. no no but i'm saying that it's a common thing oh it's you, a trope to have the uh uh it's that it's weird fucked up it's mm, like yeah, that, it is. that weird fantasy where it's like you know the younger person they're like she's 18 but she looks like she's like 13 mm, it's, that's gross. it's it's gross it's yeah, a weird that's wrong it's a weird uh anime sort of trope bad yeah. bad anime but yeah so I, that person was only my friend so yeah that's that's fair i mean good for you for not falling into that trope thank you uh yeah even though i am michael jackson so so well, bad clearly so clearly uh so <laughs> yeah uh and these i love these dating simulator games that are just kind of goofy and stuff like that like, like there's um bird yeah i played da- that one. dating one which and is i failed just, it yeah like, it, it's it was go- really hard it's goofy it's just you are a date human birds. and you date birds what was it, like and, pigeon yeah pigeon pi- uh, oh it's it's called Hatiful Boyfriend. Right. Hatiful, I think, is a bo- is a bird thing. I'm really into birds now. I know. Based wingspan. on Wingspan. So maybe I should go back to that game because I didn't play much of it. And y- you date birds in it. You're a human, but you're dating birds. And I just remember it being really hard. Like, both Kaylee yeah. and I played it for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> Kaylee doesn't even like video games. You guys went through this, like, kinky thing where you're really into birds. No, that's not what happened. It was called the beginning of the pandemic. And we're bored. <laughs> Shit got weird. <laughs> and, uh, but we both, like, lost. Like, you yeah, can lose I don't, that game, which I don't love. That's something I don't, yeah, I don't love that either. I love them telling you a story yeah. in those games, and then you just get to go on different paths, right? right? But yeah. losing it makes it not fun. Yeah, and I was like, well, I don't know how to win. Like, yeah. I'm not a bird. Well, no, you're fucking birds. You're not, you're not a bird. <laughs> you're a human, and you're, well, you're taking advantage sed- of those birds. I don't know how to seduce birds. Yeah, me neither <laughs> that'd be crazy <laughs> anyways yeah well today is the last wednesday of the month so traditionally this is the day that we will do wicked wednesdays w- wicked wednesday so this month we're lucky that we get to have two wicked wednesdays w- w- wicked wednesday and this wednesday we're going to be talking about the maybe real life inspiration for dracula vlad the impaler Vlad the Impaler, or Vlad III, was the prince of a country called Wallachia, which is in modern-day Romania. Wallachia? I never even knew her. What? No? Nah, I see. Continue. (laughs) He was born between 1428 and 1431 in a time of unrest in the area. He was possibly the third son of Vlad II, but it's not entirely clear he may have been the second son. Nor is it clear who his mother was. She may have been Vlad's the second second wife. However, Vlad the third's mother may also have been a mistress, or maybe Vlad the second's first wife. Now, what about Vlad the third's fourth cousin, twice removed? 
What about where do they fit into this? Yeah, so our history fans may also know of our buddy Vlad as Vlad Dracula, which is where we get the name Dracula from. Is that why he says, I want to suck your Vlad? (laughs) (laughs) That was a good one. Thank you. (laughs) So the name Dracula comes from his father's name, Vlad Dracul, which means Vlad the dragon in ancient Romanian. So the name Dracula, therefore, means the son of Dracul, son of the dragon. However, in modern Romanian, Dracul means the devil, which has contributed to the legend that surrounds Vlad today. Son of the dragon. That sounds so much cooler than what my title is. Son of the Hungarian. Or son of the pigeon watcher. (laughs) Or son of the pigeon fucker. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you were talking about Hatterfield boyfriend agency. Wow. (sighs) I love Hatterfield boyfriend dating agencies. Anyways, so sometimes people will say that Vlad Dracula means son of the devil, but that is wrong, because when Vlad was alive, that word actually meant dragon. You might also hear him called Vlad Tepes, which means the impaler, which is a nod to his favorite method of execution. Mm. Vlad Dracul, so his dad, got his name because of his membership into a militant fraternity called the Order of the Dragon. It was a group of men, high aristocrats, and monarchs whose goal was to defend the cross and fight the enemies of Christianity, particularly the Ottoman Empire. And I might call them the Turks later on. Okay. The Ottoman Empire, the Turks. Those are the same thing? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to call Vlad's dad, Daddy Vlad. Daddy Vlad? (laughs) Because this next little bit, it's like I keep talking about Vlad and Vlad. Okay. I I would also go with uh, Dracul. Because he, I just picture him wearing sunglasses. Right, that's fair. <laughs> but we'll go with Daddy Vlad. I like Daddy Vlad better. Fuck, it was so much fun fuck typing you. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then like Daddy Vlad better. <laughs> so I also picked this name because there's a Vladislav and a Vladislav that show up later. There's hmm. a lot of like Vlads going around. I can already tell by the end of this, I'm going to be fucking confused. <laughs> well, anyways, Daddy Vlad seized Wallachia after the death of his half-brother in 1436, making him the ruler of that area. Wallachia was close to the Muslim lands of the Ottoman Empire and were frequently the scene of bloody battles as Ottoman forces pushed westward into Europe. And because he was a member of a weird Christian club that hated Muslims, Daddy Vlad did not like this at all. When the Ottomans invaded nearby Transylvania in March 1442, Daddy Vlad was pissed. However, the Ottoman Sultan, Murad II, invited Daddy Vlad to come for a diplom- <laughs> I teach history. I'm a very professional woman. Yeah, okay, sure you are. I know you personally, so I would say no, you are not. <laughs> so the Sultan of the Ottoman Empire invited Daddy Vlad to come for a diplomatic meeting. And so, Daddy Vlad did, taking his sons Vlad and Radu the Handsome. <laughs> Radu the Handsome. Yeah, well, so the- he has a different last name, but it translates to the Handsome. Can I... Use that as my moniker? No. <laughs> to go to the... What the fuck are you trying to say? <laughs> no, 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 that wouldn't work for you. <laughs> All right, so Vlad and Radu, along with him in the hopes of teaching them the art of diplomacy. Uh, and Radu is the younger brother of our Vlad. Mm, okay. However, this meeting was a trap. It's a trap. And all three were arrested and held hostage. Daddy Vlad was eventually released under the condition that he leave his sons behind in the care of the Ottoman Empire. Oh. (laughs) See you guys. (laughs) This was to ensure that Daddy Vlad would behave himself in the ongoing war. 
To which Daddy Vlad immediately went on to support Vadislaus, the king of Poland, in a crusade against the Ottomans. <laughs> the Ottomans? Like, that you put your foot on? <laughs> the Ottoman Empire. <laughs> Should have just called them the Turks. That would make more sense. Daddy Vlad was willing to sacrifice his boys, convinced that his two sons were, quote, butchered for the sake of Christian peace. Okay. I can't wait to say that about our future children. <laughs> but neither Vlad nor Radu were murdered or mutilated after their father's rebellion. Under the Ottoman, Vlad and Radu were tutored in science, philosophy, and the arts, and Vlad also became a skilled horseman and warrior. And according to some accounts, however, he may also have been imprisoned and tortured for part of the time that he was there, during which he would have witnessed the impalement of the Ottomans' enemies. But most historians agree that they were treated reasonably well by the standards of the time. Captivity irked Vlad, whereas his brother sort of acquiesced and went over to the Ottoman side and acquiesced. Like he was like, ah, this is fine. I just learned to read. Okay, <laughs> I don't know what what those big words mean. <laughs> yeah. So his brother went over to the Ottoman side and even converted to Islam. Mm. Vlad, on the other hand, held a grudge, and this was perhaps one of the main motivators for continuing to fight the Ottoman, to get mm. even with them for having held him captive. The origin of the daddy issues. Daddy Vlad continued his fight while his sons were held captive, and it eventually became a fight that he would lose. In 1447, Daddy Vlad was ousted as ruler of Wallachia by local noblemen and was killed in the swamps near his castle. Vlad's older brother, who was supporting Daddy Vlad at the time, was tortured, blinded, and buried alive. Damn, that's my one of my worst fears. Being buried alive? Yeah, can you imagine? No. No, it, uh, well, if you want to imagine, watch Buried with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Most people don't like it, but I think it's a banger. Isn't he just, like, in a box? It's the entire movie. Yeah. People didn't like it. Yeah. But me, I'm like, 90 minutes of just Ryan Reynolds? Give me more. Like, Am literally right? no other no, shots? No, the, the, there's, um, I mean, there's different shots, different angles of in the box, but it's it's literally just him and he wakes up in the box. That's the first thing. Wow. It's an hour and a half. He There's a phone in there. So are you, like, flashbacks? No, it's just him in the box. And How do you act that? How long does it take you to film that? You're getting me distracted. The point is that Ryan Reynolds is a wonderful actor and took that on. Yeah. Triumphantly. Good. So the brothers buried alive. Uh, so this stopped the Dracul family from having control of the territory as a new guy, Vladislav, not to be confused with Vladislaus, the king of Poland, <laughs> <Jesus Christ. laughs> was now the ruler of Wallachia. So I knew you were going to say something like that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 doesn't matter just daddy vlad and his family are no longer the kings and princes of Wallachia. okay 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 that helps me <laughs> yeah so this our vlad could not abide and he embarked on a campaign in 1448 to regain his father's seat as the prince of Wallachia. his first attempt to regain control actually relied on the military support of the ottoman governors of nearby cities this coupled with the fact that vladislav wasn't in the area at the time made it relatively easy for Vlad to take power. He held the throne for two months until Vladislav came back and was like, nah fam, GTFO. <laughs> GTF? Are you trying to get younger listeners in here? Or <laughs> Actually, I don't even know if young people still say that. <laughs> Maybe we're just old farts. Ugh. Yeah. And Vladislav disposed Vlad. Vlad then fell off the historical records from 1448 to 1456. What do you mean he disposed him? Uh, he was like, you can't be this prince anymore. And Vlad was like, okay, bye. So like banishing. 
Yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah, he sent him actually into exile. Okay, because Dispose sounds like killed him, and I'm like, oh, is that where our story ends? Yeah, and the (laughs) end, what did you think? (laughs) I think that sucks, keep going. (laughs) So not much is known from this time, other than he switched sides, and he no longer used the support of the Ottomans in his attempts to gain back his throne. And he got really into pottery. He now looked to King Ladislaus Jesus. Of, <laughs> of Hungary. Ladislaus. Hey, one of us. <laughs> one of us. One of us. I'm not Hungarian. One of me. One of me. <laughs> Ladislaus happened to dislike Vladislav. <laughs> I should have just given them all like different names and been like, John didn't like Bob. What the flattest fuck is going on? <laughs> it's okay. Vladislav happened to dislike Vladislav and was happy to get rid of him. Vladislav, in turn, got support from the Ottomans. All of this came to a head in 1456 after the fall of Constantinople, where the Ottomans were now in position to invade all of Europe. In July 1456, while the Ottomans and Hungary were locked in battle, Vlad led a small force of exiled noblemen, some Hungarians and Romanian mercenaries, against his old enemy, Vladislav. Here, he had the satisfaction of beheading his mortal enemy and his father's assassin in hand-to-hand combat. Vlad, who was now anti-Ottoman, was proclaimed Prince of Wallachia, and it is at this point that his reign of terror truly began. I just thought of a marketing campaign. (laughs) Okay. Just bear with me. It's something to do with... It could be done in the modern ways where, like, say say Ottomans were out. You're not, you no longer, people hate Ottomans in their house, right? You put up a big billboard in the city that's Vlad, whatever he looks like. I'm picturing a, I, I, well, I guess, you, I guess I should picture Dracula, but I more for some reason picture Attila the Hun. Yeah. And he's, like, kicking an Ottoman, and it's like, Ottomans, no way at Mark's green... No Ottoman store. <laughs> I mean, it's a workshop title, you know? Yeah, I like it. So it's good. There, there you go. If anyone wants to buy my idea, if you're anti-Ottoman. <laughs> <laughs> Though he was now ruler of Wallachia, his lands were in ruin due to constant warfare and the internal strife caused by feuding noblemen. And Vlad was also hungry for revenge. And so he had his spies go out and find the names of any nobles who had even been remotely involved in the plot to overthrow his father. Having collected a list of names, Vlad invited the men and their families to an Easter feast at his palace. But as soon as the traitors arrived, they were arrested. No, no, no Easter hunt? Nope, none for you. What <laughs> happens next? Is... I, was, I wasn't there, okay? I, I don't have an alibi this time. <laughs> the older ones of the group were impaled then and there in front of their families. Oh, damn. Vlad's specialty was to have his victims sit on the pole, which was then lifted upright with the victims slowly sliding down by their own weight. Sorry, sitting on the pole? Not laying on the pole? No, let me tell you. It had to go up their ass? Oh, let me get into it here. A little side note about impaling just for you, Dakota. Uh Uh-huh. It's a particularly gruesome form of torture and death. A wood or metal pole is inserted through the body, either front to back or vertically through the rectum or vagina. That was Vlad's favorite way. Vagina? Rectum or vagina. Oh. The exit wound would then be near the victim's neck, shoulders, or mouth. In some cases, the pole was rounded and was not sharp in order to avoid damaging the internal organs of the victims and thereby prolonging their suffering. And some people got so good at it, like, they knew how to, like, bypass the organs, so it would just go, like, right through them. What the... 
The pole was then raised vertically to display the victim's torment, and it could take hours or even days for the impaled person to die. So, Vlad did this to his guests, which some records record as 500, while others say it was 50 people. Those who were younger were forced into slavery, laboring to rebuild Vlad's castle. When that job was done, they were all killed. And this treatment of Daddy Vlad's traitors was just the beginning, as Vlad then began to enforce his own strict moral code on the population, and any deviation was met with unthinkable cruelty. He appeared to be especially concerned with female chastity, because of course, patriarchy, So any woman who lost her virginity prior to marriage or who defiled the marriage bed, meaning had an affair, would be impaled with the insertion point being the vagina. That's not a fair. More often than not, their breasts would also be cut off with the man that they had slept with being forced to eat their breasts. Oh, fuck. Oh, I don't know why that... You love cannibalism. I just... I... But titties weren't meant for that, okay? (laughs) titties is where i draw the line titties is where i would never eat a titty in that fashion (laughs) well you'd be forced to in this case so again i was not there okay (laughs) vlad also had a hatred of beggars considering them to be existing off of the hard work of others it is said that he once invited all the beggars in wallachia to a massive feast in a centrally located wooden hall Once they had eaten their full, he is said to have ordered the doors bolted and the building set on fire. (laughs) Damn, talk about a last meal. (laughs) In this way, he is said to have ridden his realm of the scourge of poverty. Stories like this- Is that how we do it? (laughs) Is that the- (laughs) No, we should like have social programs to like help people. Or- (laughs) Stories like this abound in the 1460s and 1470s, which was just after the invention of the printing press. Previously, the accounts had been circulating orally, but now they were put together by different individuals in pamphlets and printed. The pamphlets at the time tell almost the same exact stories, which lends to some historical accuracy to these tales. And I tell that because the printing press is a very big, important step in Western history. So for that's for my historians out there. Oh, because I figured it wasn't for me because I don't give a shit. On the international scene, the Ottoman threat was becoming more ominous. They had conquered Constantinople and had their sights set on Europe. In 1460, Pope Pius II called for a new crusade to reclaim the city and push the Ottomans back to the desert. Many European rulers were not in support of this crusade, save for our friend Vlad. Uh, Remember, he had a hate on for the Ottomans at this time. The Ottomans were able to capture the last remaining free Serbian city, and they killed one of Vlad's buddies by sawing him in half. Ugh. This enraged Vlad to no end, and he became more committed than ever to teaching the Ottomans a lesson that they would never forget. So the Sultan, Mehmed, who is a different guy than the one that Daddy Vlad had to fight. I don't remember that, but okay. <laughs> had his sights set on Wallachia and declared that it was part of the Ottoman Empire. So he sent envoys to Vlad's castle in order to collect a tribute of 10,000 ducats and 500 men who would be taken into the Turkish army. But Vlad had a different plan. No, not Vlad. When the envoy reached the castle for their audience with Vlad, they refused to remove their turbans, citing a religious custom. Commending them on their religious devotion, Vlad ensured that their turbans would forever remain on their heads by having the head coverings nailed into their skulls. Jesus Christ! I'm having a lot of visceral reactions I to this. I see that. This is just, the way he does the torture is so horribly gruesome Mm. 
I'm here for it in a way, but at the same time, I'm like picturing it because you know I have that uh, that memory thing where, or not memory thing, that thing where I like you say something and I instantly picture. I know it's every my favorite single thing, thing to that do you, to you you say. It's torture. So I'm visually picturing just this blood pouring down mm. th- under their turbans. Gross. Continue. The shocked sultan responded by sending his army to the area in order to seize some men and bring them back to become part of his army. Vlad retaliated by sending his own men into the area, grabbing any Turk, regardless of if they were in the army they could find, and impaling them on a red-hot stake. Oof. Through the butt, of course. Yeah, that's his favorite way of doing it. Yeah. Classic Vlad. (laughs) That Vlad, he loved anal. (laughs) Not in the way you think. (laughs) Towards the end of 1461... Vlad wrote to the sultan, letting him know that he could no longer afford to pay a tribute to the sultan. So I didn't write it down, but uh, previously, Daddy Vlad was paying money to the sultan for I don't really know why, but uh, Vlad now is like, nah fam, we're not doing that anymore. Mm. Uh, But he did say he was willing to come to Constantinople and negotiate. The sultan knew that Vlad was assigned to the crusade, and so he decided to take the Wallachian ruler, who had dared to murder his envoys by force. He sent one of his generals along with a thousand cavalry units to meet with Vlad with the intention of ambushing him. But Vlad found out about this and set up his own ambush instead. As the Ottomans were making their way through a narrow piece of land, Vlad and his army attacked. It is reported that this attack was one of the first instances where gunpowder was used to apparently deadly effect. And so that's a cool history thing. Here, the Turks were slaughtered, with the majority of them suffering Vlad's favorite torture. Uh, Impaling. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> God, I hate when the teacher calls on me. <laughs> Vlad then continued onward, riding the high of battle, and they attacked many different Ottoman-controlled areas moving towards Serbia and the Black Sea. Is it? I, I hate to harp on this Ottoman thing, but back to how I picture something so visually in my mind. Every time you say, like, the Ottomans were in control of something, I'm just picturing literally furniture. <laughs> Do you want me to start saying the Turks? No, I like this version better. (laughs) It it makes it more interesting. (laughs) Okay. Vlad would head out in advance of his army and go to fortified towns where he would use his skills in the Turkish language to encourage the guards to open the gates. Then his family would pour in from over the horizon and Vlad would go on a killing frenzy, slaughtering every Turkish man, woman, or child that he could find. Which seems like overkill to me. Over a period of two weeks, he led his army over an area of 500 miles, killing around 23,000 people. Holy shit. Vlad wrote of this as a win for the Crusades, saying, quote, I have killed peasant men and women, young and old. We killed 23,884 Turks without counting those whom we burned in homes or the Turks whose heads were cut by our soldiers. Thus, I have broken the peace. Whose job is it to keep track? I don't know. The sultan was understandably outraged and ordered 18,000 troops to destroy a port in Wallachia. This force was interrupted by Vlad and his army of 30,000. The Turks were utterly defeated and only 8,000 of them survived. These victories garnered Vlad a heroic reputation throughout Europe, with even the Pope praising him. At the same time, his reputation as the Impaler King served to intimidate the Turkish people, causing many of them to flee the area when he arrived. Sorry, the Pope praised Vlad for this? Yeah, because there was this whole thing. So it's a the, different time. <laughs> well, because the Pope was like, mm, Islam <laughs> is bad. Get rid of the Ottomans. And so yeah. kill them. <laughs> I, uh, this, is, this is a terrible joke. So, Lord, forgive me, for I have sinned. But 
I love an anal. Oh. <laughs> so that's the Pope. That is what the Pope is saying. Yeah. It's, it's true. On one occasion, he reportedly dined among a veritable forest of defeated warriors, writhing impaled on poles. It's not known whether tales of Vlad dipping his bread in the blood of his victims is mm. true, but the story did make the rounds in Europe. That is sexy. What? I just, I just want to see what you said, if, uh, you know, to that. But uh, no, that's gross. Um, Why? But, like, blood doesn't taste good. You're but, like, nom, 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 well, here's the thing. I picture it being like, I don't get why people like oil and vinegar, mm. whatever, together. To me, that's the same shit. So y'all are <laughs> disgusting as Vlad, okay? <laughs> In response to the slaughter and the fear caused by Vlad, the Sultan abandoned his goal of taking Europe and turned his full attention to capturing Vlad. He rounded up an army of 150,000 people whose sole goal and mission was to find and kill Vlad. To note, the sultan had already promised the rulership of Wallachia to Vlad's younger brother, Radu. So, the sultan set out, commanding this army to find and destroy Vlad the Impaler. Vlad's force numbered 30,000, and thus were severely outnumbered and hopelessly outclassed as far as weaponry was concerned. They had only lances and daggers, whereas the Turks had deadly archers and powerful siege and missile weaponry. Yet, despite this, Vlad was able to inflict major casualties on the Sultan's forces. He followed a scorched earth policy as he moved out of reach of the Sultan's army. Do you know what that is? No. So, as he's retreating, he just, like, literally burns everything. Oh. So, in this time period, well, even in war today, you you need the resources where you're attacking. So, like, you need the water and, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever that you can get. But he just burned everything down. Damn. Yeah. Wells were poisoned with entire populations, including animals, being evacuated. Vlad also engaged in guerrilla fighting tactics, with hit-and-run raids being made on the Sultan's army, and a primitive type of germ warfare was utilized, where men... (laughs) Where men would go to the washroom and not wash their hands. (laughs) Where men who were afflicted with the bubonic plague were sent into Turkish towns to infect as many people as possible. And it actually worked. The plague did spread among the Sultan's men. However, these tactics served to only be an irritant to the way bigger and more technologically superior Turkish army. They moved on, getting closer and closer to Vlad's castle. When they arrived there, Vlad and his now 24,000-man army, so they lost about 6,000 people, uh, were holed up at a mountain refuge. What he did next was amazing, even for him. Under the cover of darkness, he donned a disguise and walked directly into the Turkish camp, looking for the sultan's tent. Whoa he found the sultan's resting point and also learned that the men had been ordered to remain in their tents should an attack occur at night. Vlad went back to his men and set about planning a surprise attack on the sultan's army. It was his personal goal to enter the sultan's tent and drive his knife through Mehmed's heart. On the night of June 17, 1462, he divided his forces into two and then attacked from both north and south. The Turks were caught off guard, because obviously they're sleeping, allowing the attackers to inflict heavy losses. Within an hour, 15,000 Turks were slaughtered at a cost of some 5,000 of Vlad's men. He himself succeeded in entering the tent that he had previously picked out. The only problem was that he had selected the wrong tent and he did not find the sultan. At daybreak, Vlad called off the attack and his men melted back into the mountains. The sultan was so upset that he pulled back and he was prepared to retreat all the way back to the Ottoman Empire. However... 
He was convinced by his generals that success was still within their grasp, and so he led his men into the capital city. But when they arrived, they found an abandoned city with the remains of at least 20,000 Turkish soldiers who had been killed in previous battles impaled on stakes. At this site, the sultan is said to have remarked, How can we despoil of his estates a man who is not afraid to defend it by such means as these? So he's like, this guy's fucked up. Yeah, I I could see that being a reaction he would have. With nothing to do in the empty city, the sultan installed Radu as the new ruler of Wallachia and turned to go back home. Radu and his forces circled Vlad's castle. Vlad's first wife was apparently inside at the time and declared that she would rather feed herself to the fishes rather than fall to the Turks. I'd rather feed myself to the fishes. Apparently, she then threw herself from the walls into the river below. Oh, she's, she's, uh, you know, when she says a threat, she follows through. I'll give her that. Yeah. (laughs) Vlad was then betrayed by his buddy who had originally set up this whole crusade, and he was taken prisoner in Hungary. Again, it wasn't me, okay? During this time, he converted to Catholicism, remarried, and had a few kids. Because he married his prisoner's cousin, Vlad was set free under strict instructions not to return to Wallachia. And, of course, he did not listen. Ah, classic Vlad. (laughs) He managed... (laughs) Classic Vlad. He managed to gather together an army and set out in the middle of 1476 to take back his throne, which he did, because the new ruler there, which was not his brother, who had died, was so afraid of Vlad that he fled the country upon learning that Vlad was on his way. Vlad, though, lacked a strong army to support his claim, so when the Turks came back, yet again, he was easily defeated. Vlad was eventually ambushed and killed by the Turks in 1477 when a Turkish writer recorded that the Turks had killed and decapitated him, and then sent his head to Constantinople, where it was preserved in honey so that the people could come out and view it and know that the dreaded impaler was actually dead. Damn. Why don't we do that with, <laughs> for like, in museums? Just be like, and there's Osama. It is estimated that Vlad's legacy of execution methods included more than 20,000 impalements, 5,000 beheadings, 10,000 burnings at the stake, 10 Turks who had nails driven through their heads, and at least one who was boiled alive and then cannibalized. I feel like this could be like that Christmas song, like, 10 Turks are burning, 10. (laughs) Oh, so bad. But in his home country of Romania... Vlad is seen as a hero, as a God-fearing man who stood up to the Ottoman Empire, and also perhaps the inspiration for Dracula. So Dakota, what do you think? Well, one, I want to talk quickly about the him being the inspiration for Dracula. That's that is he is inspiration, or it's thought he is. Well, I didn't look too much into it. Okay, it's debated. Okay, and the other question is: Is it based on? That he would drink the blood or, like, eat it with his bread, like like you people with your oils? <laughs> well, it's based on the whole... Um, oh, the impaling thing. No, it's based on the Dracul. So when Bram Stoker went to Transylvania, which isn't where the story takes place, the story takes place in Wallachia, which is Romania. Mm-hmm. So when Stoker went to Transylvania, he was like, oh, who's this Dracul- Dracula guy? And the Romanians were like, oh, it means son of the devil. But we already know that it actually meant son of the dragon. And so he was like, oh, the devil. That's cool. Let's make a story about it. Oh, okay. So I didn't go too much into it because I figured I really enjoyed this story, but I had a feeling you wouldn't. So I didn't want to make you listen to anything more. No, no, that's that's fair. Uh, I liked the, even though I had very visceral reactions to 
the gruesome torture, I still enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It was... Well, I thought you would get bored with the... And then he went here, and in 14 yeah, days, he no, did this I thing in the autumn. I would give you a higher rating, but... And it's not a bad rating. Uh, it's actually pretty decent mm. based on the cool torture stuff. <laughs> but... Uh, well, I didn't do the torture. So I should rate you lower? No, I, uh... no give me a high mark. <laughs> okay. But, uh, yeah, so I, I think that... I didn't love the opening setup, a lot of that stuff, you know, of course, similar to last week, actually. It's mm-hmm. a similar rating, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that similar, like, the setup was, you know, a little mm-hmm. dry for me. There's yeah. a lot of, this person did this, this person's cousin did that. Yeah, but I had to do that because otherwise you wouldn't know why Vlad had so much rage against the Ottomans. Yes, but... And also, I wanted to say Daddy Vlad. Daddy Vlad. Okay, that's so. This was selfish. Then that's uh, don't <laughs> pretend it was about. Don't pretend like it was about me. Okay. No, I think it's interesting. So, but you know, the, the way he tortured people was so fucked up. Like to not just impale them like through their backs into their stomachs and through like like that would be enough for a man like me. Mm. But not saying I do that or anything. <laughs> but to do it up the ass and through the through the head no no mouth through the neck through the neck yeah okay the the shoulder so because if you went through their mouth they would certainly die but oh right he didn't want them to die he wanted them to live as long as possible in that gruesome hell right that's that'd be so painful so painful he must be with like like, a not even a sharp stick so like so it would slowly go through yeah oh man like I didn't stop to think about it when I was doing the research, and now I am, and I'm like, wow. Yeah, yeah. that's the, that's why I'm having those reactions to it, you Got know. It. So that was crazy. I give this a seven point seven Vladistinians out of ten. There was no Vladistein. I don't remember what they were called. The Vlada Vladislav Vladislav Vlada fucking that's the the point is that those gladiolus Vladistinians implies that group of people. I don't know. It's like could you maybe have like come up with some like other names? But no, we're just gonna go Vlad. Oh, I thought you meant for my rating. I was like, fuck. Yeah, I want a second rating actually. (laughs) Seven point seven something else. Seven point seven. Go fuck yourselves out of ten. So yeah, not bad though. Not bad. Thanks. No no problem, champ. <laughs> well, that's all we have for this week. We'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to hang out with us. If you enjoyed listening to what we had to say, please download our podcast from wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a review or tell your friends about us, because indie podcasts really do grow through word of mouth. And if you want to stay in contact or see behind-the-scenes action, you can follow us on Instagram at The Reluctant Historian, or on Facebook under The Reluctant Historian Podcast, or leave us a tip at buymeacoffee.com slash thehistorian. That's a new one, so that one threw me for a loop there. You can also shoot us an email uh, with future show ideas or corrections you may have noted to thereluctanthistorian at gmail.com. So, we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Why does my Pope voice sound like Mario? It's a me, the Pope. I love anal. <laughs> I think I'm going to hell. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, along the way, I learned a little bit about everything, which, to be honest with you, is just enough to get me into trouble. But I bring that with me when I sit down with guests from the worlds of politics, news, science, current events, entertainment, and more. The Open Highway with Eric Erickson. Join me on The Open Highway, and let's have a conversation. Find it wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.